Good morning, everybody. Uh, if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Sam. I'm the high school pastor here at Friendship uh, and college pastor. And uh, it's my pleasure to get to continue in this series of epic poetry where we're looking through uh, different psalms. Uh, can I just say for a second, like, shout out to Mike. He does such a great job each week of just reading through the psalms. Like, oh, it's just beautiful. Um, and uh, we are going through the psalms. We're not going through every psalm. And we're also not going in order. And I know that because we're in the middle of psalms of this series and, and I'm doing Psalm 1. So, but that's okay. Um, it is my pleasure and an honor to get an opportunity to share God's word with you. So let's jump right in. Um, if you have your Bible, I'd encourage you to open it to Psalm 1. We'll be in there the whole morning. Um, I'll reference a few other verses as we go, but I'd really encourage you to open it and see that. Um, if you have a Bible on your phone and you want to use that, that's great too. Um, but love being in the word as we are studying it. So let's do that together. And as you open, I'll also have some of the verses up on the screen as well in case you have nothing uh, with you today. So let's jump right in to Psalm 1, verses 1 and 2. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. So right away, I want to highlight some words and some images uh, throughout this whole uh, psalm, because it's just so rich. It's, it's a short psalm, but it is, it is thick, if you know what I mean. It, there's just so much in it. Um, and so I want to start by pulling out three words, and I, I put them on the bottom of the screen. And, and you may notice those are not definitions of those words. So if you're like, Sam, you're... No, don't worry about it. Those are not definitions. This is just a way for me to, this is how my brain works, and maybe it'll help you. Um, as, as we're looking at this passage, the first two verses just immediately tells us what it's all about. Blessed is the man or woman who does a couple of things and who doesn't do a couple of things. And so the psalmist immediately gives us this dichotomy, this, these two options. And he starts by saying, blessed is somebody who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, stand in the way of sinners, and sit in the seat of scoffers. And so I think that these words are important. Walk. When I think of walking, we, we use this term in our Christian faith a lot, like how's your walk going? How's your walk with Jesus, right? The, the idea is that um, our faith is something that is lived out. And so the way that my brain works, I think about walking as a worldview in action, right? So my worldview is the way that I see the world, the way that I understand the world. And so my worldview, the way that I see it, and how I live it out in reality, not just what I say I believe, like, yeah, that's what I think, but what I say I believe by my actions, how you see it lived out, that that's what your walk is. And so uh, our faith can be walked out. And, and so this psalmist immediately starts with, blessed is somebody who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, which means that there is a counsel, there is, uh, there is places that we can go to build a worldview that is not of the Lord, that it's of something else. And so uh, the question immediately is begged, where are you getting your counsel? When, when you're building that framework of your uh, worldview, of the way that you're going to understand life and how you're going to live and how you're going to actually act it out in the world, what's your source? Who do you go to? What do you go to? 
Um, and that could be a whole lot of things. It could be something like a favorite politician or a favorite podcaster or a, it could be Hollywood in general or your best friend or your parents. You're going to build your worldview from somewhere. And the question is, are you going to get it from all the things out there in the world and let your worldview be built there? Or are you going to seek truth through God's word and have your worldview be built on that foundation alone? That's the question. And right away the psalmist says, blessed is the person who does not walk in the counsel that comes from the wicked. Second thing, he talks about standing. Blessed is someone who does not stand in the way of sinners. And the phrasing there, it doesn't mean like stand, like get in the way of sinners, like stand in the way. It means like standing in the same way as sinners, right? Um, And so Jesus says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And so there's this, again, immediate dichotomy we see that there's which way are we going to stand in? When I think of standing, I think of this foundation, right? If I'm standing on something, it's, um, it's the foundation that I've built, uh, or in this case, a stage, um, which is hopefully a firm foundation. It can hold Kenny, so I'm pretty sure I'm safe. So, I'm testing the security of my job this morning. That's <laughs> one of my goals. Um, but anyway, so, love you. Keep testing. We'll see how far we can go. But the point is this, uh, standing on this foundation. And so do you build your foundation on the way of sinners or on Jesus, on the way of the Lord? Um, and so again, in the same way that I was just talking about this worldview, it's, it's what do we go to that we're building our worldview and that we're building this foundation that we're standing on. And even, it's the thing that, even when opposition comes, it's the things that we fall back on. So when hard times come or when questioning comes, it's, it's the thing that I, I retreat back to. That's my foundation. And so what is that built on? And then finally, blessed is someone who does not sit in the seat of scoffers. And when I think of sitting, I think of um, if I'm willing to sit down, I am at least in somewhat comfortable, right? I have some level of security, of comfort, of rest. It's like I, I'm okay to sit down here. Um, if it was a very dangerous situation, I'm probably not kicking back in a lounger, Right? So taking a seat, there's a level of, of comfort. And so the question is, um, what, where do we find this security? Where do we find this comfort? What, what, what do we rest in? Is it in the way of the world or is it in the way of the Lord? And so right away, the psalmist is setting up this dichotomy and saying, blessed is the man or woman who walks and stands and sits, not in the way of the world, of the wicked, of the sinner, of the scoffer, but... Verse 2 says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. So again, I want to pull out two words because I love this word delight. Delight, and these are actually, this, this one is a good definition. This isn't just a random thing on the screen. Delight, place, placing a high value in to desire to take pleasure in. Okay, so... Uh, one example that comes to my mind. Think of like your favorite dessert. Let's go with ice cream, okay? Favorite ice cream flavor, right? Uh, and because I can see that this could be a potential pitfall, I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell them, 20 seconds, favorite ice cream flavor, go. What do you think? Hey, front row, favorite flavor? Ooh, solid. Mint chocolate chip? Mm, I just had a bowl of that literally last night. 
That's, that's a good point, Paul. That's a sermon for another day. We'll talk to Kenny about that one. But, okay, so I hope that you guys have had uh, enough time to share your favorite ice cream flavor. One of my favorite flavors, I don't know if you guys have heard of Coconut Explosion. Have you guys seen this? Coconut Explosion. Basically, it's coconut ice cream with coconut chunks in it. There's some chocolate in there too. But really, I'm all about the coconut, like so much coconut, hence explosion. And so anyway, Coconut Explosion is delicious. I delight in coconut explosion ice cream, because I, I, I take pleasure in, I enjoy it, I want more of it, and, and I pursue it. In fact, it's something that I would place a value in over other flavors. I might choose coconut explosion over a vanilla or over chocolate chip or something, like I might, but I'm going to choose this one because it's my favorite. I'm going for that one. If I have the choice, the value is that that one is above those other flavors. Now, maybe a less silly example is think about um, the best relationship that you have. So I delight in my wife. Uh, her name is Amy. You might know her. She's fantastic. Um, but I delight in her. I that take pleasure in our relationship. I enjoy her. I desire more time with her and to get to know her better. And I value her at a level where, by marrying her, I've chosen her over others and continue to do so. I will choose her over because I delight in her. And so delighting in something the psalmist says that blessed is the man who delights in the law of the Lord. So, tough question time. Do you? Do, do I delight in God's word, in his law? Do I desire it? Do I pursue it? Do I choose it over other things? Do I, is it the thing that I take pleasure in? I just, I want to be in it. Because the reality is that there are days when I find that I'm not delighting in God's word. But man, when we see it for what it is and we delight in it and we pursue it and we're in it like, well, we'll see in a second, it's a really good thing. We're blessed if we do. Do you delight in the law of the Lord? And then, not just delight in, but meditate on the, the word of the Lord, the law of the Lord, day and night. And so I want to take a second on meditate because this word um, can mean different things within different cultures. And so you, many times if I say meditate, you would immediately think about uh, the concept of like sitting down, being still and quiet and emptying yourself so that you're open to hear from any spirit that might want to speak to you. That's like Eastern meditation. Very dangerous, by the way, um, to just open yourself up like that. That's not what Christian meditation looks like. In fact, it's essentially the opposite. We are called to be filled, to fill our minds. That's Christian meditation is to focus on, to fill your mind with God's word. And the word itself um, comes from like muttering. So like you have this, like, this idea like day and night you're walking around like muttering to yourself, speaking to yourself God's word. And so everywhere you go, it's just speaking over yourself God's word. That's kind of the idea of meditation. In order to meditate on God's word, you need to know his word. So you need to know his word, you need to be in it. So if we're in his word and know his word, we can meditate on his word by walking throughout day and night and remembering it. And it's, it's, it goes back to the idea of how we walk. If you want to walk out the word of God, well, I need to spend time in it so that I know it, so that when I approach as I'm walking through life, it is the lens that I see things. And so when, as somebody who deals with anxiety, when an anxious situation comes up to me, I go to Philippians 4, 6, and I repeat it, and I mutter it to myself. I speak over myself God's word, and so that in that moment, I choose peace, and I choose the Lord instead of anxiety. 
that's just one example, but kind of get that picture of what it looks like to meditate on God's word. Uh, to go a little bit deeper, I like this image. Anybody enjoy marinating a steak? Anybody like a good marinated steak? Ah, good. There's a few more sane people in this service than in first service. I got like, like one, two hands. It's like, come on, guys. I think they were just tired, to be fair. Um, but marinating a steak, so I love a good marinated steak, but to marinate requires two main things. One, you need a sauce, and a lot of it, and two, you need time, right? In order to marinate something, you need those two things, because without either of those, you don't get what you're looking for, right? You need a sauce. Like in this picture, you see this steak is just, it is in it. It is soaking in it, and it is going to, if given enough time, it is going to soak in the flavor of that sauce. That's what a marinade does. So that when you take it out of the sauce, you can throw it on your grill, and when you eat it, it's going to retain the flavor of the thing that it was soaking in. That's the point. The reality is this. You cannot marinate in a microwave. It doesn't work. You can't just take a steak, dip it in the marinade, and go, boom, it's ready to go. It takes time. In the same way, that's what we need to do with God's word. We need to be in it, surrounded by it, soaking in it. If you want to look like Jesus, then you need to spend quality time in his word that you might absorb who he is and look more like him. So that when we remove ourselves from that time where we're literally in the word, we still taste like it. Does that make sense? <laughs> All right. And so, I, I'm careful to say quality time in God's word because um, you're going to then ask the question, well, how long? You know, a good marinade has a recipe. How long is the recipe, Sam? And there isn't a specific number of minutes or hours or days that you need to spend in God's word in order to properly meditate on it. But I will say this, um, just like you can't microwave a marinade, like that doesn't work that way, I think verse of the day is great, but it can't be the only thing. Sunday morning is great, but this can't be the only thing. Or you're going to taste more like a bland steak and less like the marinade that you're trying to absorb. And so the question is, bless you, the question is, are we spending time in God's word, meditating on it, delighting in it? And Romans 12 uh, even says this in verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. If we spend time in God's word, it will transform us. It will renew us. And so <laughs> this verse kind of begs that we will be either conformed or transformed. There's two options. Um, our natural state is to be conformed to the world. And so be careful not to hear me here saying that you can't watch a movie or that you can't listen to music that's not Christian or something like that. That's not what I'm saying. But if all you ever listen to and all you ever watch and all you ever do is fill your mind and fill your life with things of this world, guess what marinade you're sitting in? And so the question is, Will you be transformed by the renewal of your mind? Do you spend enough time in God's word that it gets preeminence, that it is number one in such a way that it's what is transforming you and moving you so that you look like Jesus? So that brings us back to that question, the two options that the psalmist is saying in verses one and two. We can either walk, stand, sit in the way of the world, or we can delight in, meditate on the way of the Lord. Those are the options that we have. 
I know when you guys came in and you saw Psalm 1, you're like, sweet, short Psalm, we're getting out of here, super quick. <laughs> gotcha. All right. Let's go into verse 3. We are flying. Slow me down, Kenny. I'm going too fast. Um, and this is, the pas- this is the part of the passage that most of us have heard or know the best, right? We get into verse 3, and it says, He is like, I'm going to stop there for a second, who we're talking about the one who delights in and meditates on the word of God. That person, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. So that answers your question of why there's a tree on stage. I know you've been sitting here going, what is this about? Visual. So, he is like a tree. Now, notice that the verse doesn't stop there. It doesn't say that this person is like a tree. It says that this person is like a tree planted by streams of water because the location is vitally important. It matters immensely because this tree that's planted by streams of water, it's talking about the source that this tree has, that the stream of water is the source of life for that tree. Let me give you um, a quick, uh, let's go back to Jeremiah 2 first, and then we'll go back to Psalm 1. Um, And I would encourage you uh, later today or this week to to read the first 12 verses of verse 2 because it's just such a a solid passage. But I want to focus in on verse 13. When God's speaking to the people of Israel, he says this about his people. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and they have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. A cistern, essentially, think of like a, a, you dig a hole, you build a pool to hold water. That's, that would be what you would then go to when you need like drinking water or cooking water or something like that. Okay, So you would dig a hole, create a cistern, essentially. Um, And so, God says, here's the picture of what my people have chosen. I am the stream of living water. So imagine this bubbling stream coming out of the ground and flowing, and there's just this beautiful, clear, cold, refreshing water. You can literally just take your cup, you can scoop it in and drink it. Oh, it's just awesome, it's delicious, and it's just flowing water. God says, I am living water, and my people have forsaken me, And they have turned from me, and instead they've chosen to go over here and to dig a hole and build a cistern to hold water. And it can't even hold water. It's a cracked cistern. The water just leaks out of it. And so these people, when they are trying to to have life, they're trying to find life, and instead of coming to the stream, they go over here and they're like, this pool, this is going to give me water. This is going to help me live. This is what I need right here. This is going to give me life. And God says, what are you doing Choose me. I I am abundant life. And we can read this and go, man, those people, those Israelites, man, don't we do the same thing all the time? And we choose something that we think can give us life. And I go, man, God's good, but I think I can find life in my spouse or my family. That's that's what's going to give me life. But it's a cracked cistern, or pleasure. I think food or pornography or fill in the blank of what you get pleasure for, that's, if I just get more of that, that will give me life. But it leaves us 
empty. It leaves us thirsty. Jesus, when he's talking to the woman at the well in John 4, he says that those who come to this well and drink from it, they will be thirsty again. Uh, Because it's just physical water. It's just water from a well. You drink it, you're going to get thirsty again. Side note, I've been to Israel, drank from that well. I've been thirsty again. So Jesus, tell them the truth. Anyway, don't know why I said that. Just felt like saying it. Okay, so you will be thirsty again. But if you choose him, he says, I am the living water. Those who choose me, that they will have water that bubbles up into eternal life. So do we see the picture, the distinction, the difference? Where we are rooted, where we are planted matters. What source do we get our life from? It matters. And so that's why when we're in Psalm 3, or Psalm 1, verse 3, it talks about that this tree is planted by a stream of water. And when this tree is planted by a stream of water, we see two things from these trees. One, we notice that those trees, they fruit in season. And second, they have leaves that don't wither. So what does it look like? What does it mean to be fruitful, spiritually speaking? I think if we look at John 15, Jesus gives another plant analogy. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain or abide in me will bear much fruit. So here's the question. How hard does a branch toil and work in order to produce fruit? Right? doesn't. As long as the branch is connected to the vine, it will produce fruit. It's what it does. As long as it's connected, it remains in the vine. But if you were to cut off that branch and set it on the ground and watch it until it grows grapes, how long would you be sitting there? Forever, because the branch can't grow grapes unless it's attached to the vine. Jesus is like, that's our relationship here. (laughs) Remain in me. Abide in me. I'm the vine. You're the branch. Remain in me. If you remain in me, you will bear fruit. And the fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You want to bear fruit? You want to look like Jesus? Remain in him by being in his word, delighting in his word, meditating on his word. Be in him. Be with him. Spend that time and you will bear fruit. That's, that's how it works. You will bear fruit in season. And then second, leaves that don't wither. There's a big difference between a tree that's planted out in a field somewhere and a tree planted by streams of water. The difference is that a tree planted out in a field somewhere is very dependent on weather. If the rains come, if it's a good season of rain, which you probably have forgotten what that is by now, it, rain is when water falls from the sky, I know we haven't seen that in a while. Um, when it rains, like then that tree will have leaves that are green and fruit that comes that the tree will do great. But in a, in a season with a drought, when there is no rain, that tree is going to reflect the circumstances, the things that happen around it. Not so a tree planted by streams of water. Why? Because it's not dependent on water falling from the sky. It's dependent on the stream that it's planted next to. That's its source of life. And so no matter what see, whatever happens in the weather, whether it's rain or drought or anything in between, that tree is going to be okay because it's planted near the stream of water. 
And so that's the picture that we have. Are we a people who are dependent on the circumstances of the things happening around us, or do we reflect the image of that which we are planted nearest, the stream? Now, verse 3 doesn't end with these two pictures. It says one more thing about somebody who is um, delighting in and meditating on God's word. It says at the very end there, in all that he does, he prospers. And I wanted to highlight this for a minute because we got to be careful to understand what prospering means according to what the psalmist is talking about. Because if we just go, and in all that he does, he prospers. That's awesome. God's word's telling me that I get to prosper in everything. So that must be finances and health and relationships. My sports teams can win every game, right? Prospering. But, but what does the psalmist say prospering is? In order to find that out, we need to keep going. So let's read the rest of the passage. Verse 4, the wicked are not so. The wicked do not prosper, um, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So notice that when he's talking about prosperity, it is rooted in eternity. He says that blessed, he will prosper, not like the wicked. The wicked they will not stand in the judgment. There is coming a day, a final judgment, when we will be judged on whether or not we have a relationship with Jesus, whether we are taking the penalty for our sin or he's taking it. And so the question is, where do you stand? Are you like a tree planted by a stream of water or are you like chaff? And to understand this picture of chaff, I wanted to show us a a picture of chaff. Um, The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff that the wind drives away. So here's a picture of a guy using a winnowing fork. Um, And so you have this threshing floor with this pile of grain, and chaff is essentially the the hollow uh, light stuff that covers the grain itself. And so you have this like grain and chaff, they're all together, and what you would need to do in order is to separate those two things, because you want the good grain, you don't want grain and chaff, chaff is worthless. You don't need it for anything. And so you take this winnowing fork and you kind of work the stuff and you throw it into the air. And as you throw it into the air, the wind blows and it takes all that light chaff and it drives it away. And the heavier grain falls back down. And through a process of doing this, you're able to gather the grain together and store it in your barn. And you're able to take all the chaff and you're able to either feed some animals with it, but usually you just, it's, it's worthless. So you, you burn it. And that's what it looks like to what you do with chaff. And so we see this picture of the coming judgment, and we see it when John the Baptist is talking about Jesus who is coming. And I don't know if you can read this well, but I'll read it for you. Um, This is in John chapter 3. John the Baptist says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he, Jesus, who is coming after me, is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Verse 12, his winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear the threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, 
but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. There's a reality that a judgment is coming and we get to choose whether we will follow the Lord, whether we will plant ourselves near the stream of living water or choose instead to forsake him and to get life out of whatever the world can give us, to dig as many holes and drink out of as many cisterns as we want. And we are free to choose whether we want to live a cistern life or a stream of living water life. But in the end, there is coming a judgment and Jesus is going to judge based on whether or not you have a relationship with him. Not whether or not you know who he is or whether or not you've sat in church or whether or not you've given money to the church or volunteered somewhere. It's not about any of those things. It's based on whether or not you have a relationship with him. Is he the Lord of your life? Do you love him? Do you delight in him? Are you planted in him so that everything that you do, whether you stand, sit, or walk, is out of a lifestyle that is totally devoted to being in the word of the Lord, meditating on it, delighting in it so that I look like him. Is that you? Do we love him and delight in him and remain in him? Or would we rather have everything our own way? And, and I can have everything that I can get my hands on. That's, that is an option that you can choose. But Jesus died for you to pay the penalty for your sin because our sin of every time we choose one of these cisterns, it has separated us from God. And Jesus tied that we might be brought back into relationship with him. And you can choose to let that death be the payment for your sin or you can choose to pay it yourself. That's what God's word says and that's what it's talking about here. Jesus is coming and he is coming again And on that day, he is going to separate the wheat, the grain, from the chaff. I don't know about you, but I want to be brought into his presence for eternity. I want to have this living water bubbling up into eternal life. I want to be planted in him. But we have the choice. And so that leads me into uh, where I want to end for today. And that is to ask this question. Does this picture of a tree planted by streams of water, does it sound like you? Does this sound like who you are? I'm not asking if you do the Christian life perfectly. I'm asking, do you desire and delight in him? Do you want his word to rule your life? Do you want to remain in him, to be found in him, to be defined by him? Does this look like you? And if you're struggling with, well, I don't know, I put two more questions that might help. Do you have fruit that comes out of a relationship with Jesus? By being in him, by being with him, you will bear fruit. And so, do you find yourself seeing more love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control? Is that, are those things being evident in your life and, and growing in your life? And, and the number th- uh, three on there, leaves that don't wither. So the question is, is your life more driven by the storms and the circumstances of life or are you found more in the identity that you have in Christ? And so this is a hard question, but I think that this psalm begs that question. Blessed is the man or woman, 
who is found in, who is planted by the stream, who meditates on the word of the Lord, and who is found in it. So finally, I want to just challenge us, one as a community and one personally. Um, So the challenge as a community, Friendship Church, are we people who delight in and meditate on the word of God? When, when people outside of these walls think Friendship Church, do they go, one thing I know about them is they love the Word of God. They know Jesus because their walk shows it. You can tell that they know God's Word. Even if they don't know God's Word, man, those people, they walk differently. Will we be, are we a people who are defined by, who delight in, who choose God's word over other things, that that, that is as who we are. And then second, this week, will you, will I, rid our life of every broken cistern and root ourselves deeper in relationship with the living water himself? Because the reality is we all choose some terrible, no good, broken cistern sometimes maybe a lot of the times. But because you've chosen it doesn't mean you have to live in it. You don't have to stay there. God is so good, and he has grace and love for you, and he's calling you back to him. Will you, instead of forsaking him, the living water, forsake the cisterns, turn your back, choose him, and root yourselves deeper? And maybe that's going to take accountability, finding somebody in this room who will help you say, this is a cistern I keep tripping into, I need help. Maybe someone will come alongside you. Maybe you'll want to come and be prayed over um, at the front after the service is done with our prayer ministers or with one of our pastors. Maybe, maybe it's something else. Maybe you need to schedule time to be in God's word to start that marinating process. I don't know what it is, but will, will we? Will we choose more and more of him and less and less of the things of this world that we might be this blessed man or woman that we see in Psalm 1. Let's pray. Uh, Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power that is in it. And God, I pray that we would be a people that desire and delight in you, that fill our minds with your word and walk it out in our daily lives. And I pray that it wouldn't just be a desire in our hearts, but it would be found in our actions, that we would would clear the way of anything that is getting in our path, that we might have you. I pray, God, that Friendship Church, that each individual in this room and at this church, God, that we would be trees that are planted by streams of water with abundant fruit, that the world may see who you are, and may be changed by you as well. We love you. We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.